Good morning. The title of today's message is Preparing to Pass Your Test. Now, last year, last week, rather, we talked on, um, the, the message was basically dealing with uh, serving the purpose of God uh, in your generation. And we asked the question, what route? And so during that time, we've, we knew that you have a purpose from God, and we also know that Joseph had a purpose that God had for him. Joseph did not go out on any uh, excursions, as we said, because sometimes we do these excursions that are very costly, as we said that King David did. Joseph didn't do that. What is going to keep us from going on excursions? What is going to keep us, as the young lady that ran cross-country said, on the right course that the coach, which is the Holy Spirit, laid out for us, walked us through, or ignoring the flags that come up that's laid for us to stay within our course, those flags sometimes we ignore and take a shortcut, what's going to keep us from doing that? That's the title and the topic today. Because it's one thing to read about Joseph. It's one thing to see how successful Joseph was, even though he went through situations. We want to know, Joseph, how did you do it? We want to know, God, how can we do it? We don't want to take in expensive excursions. We don't want to uh, go off into the side uh, paths. We want to stay on the, on the straight and narrow. How do we do it, Lord? Preparing to pass your test. Now, in Deuteronomy, if you look there, chapter 8, we know that we are going to face tests. We know that. We have gone over this scripture before. It's worth reviewing again. In chapter 2, verse Chapter 8, verse 2, it tells us that you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he may humble you, testing you. In order to be prepared for your test, you must know that you are sometimes tested by God. See, if you don't know you're tested by God, you will say things like, well, get behind me, Satan. I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not listening to you. I'm not going to receive this. And it can cause you problems because you don't even know that you're tested by God sometimes. It says clearly here that the Lord was testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you go hungry. He led you, he fed you a manner in which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he may make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. 
Now, Jesus quoted this part of the scripture here. He, he quoted that in, in Matthew 4, 4. He said that uh, uh, when, when Satan said, well, hey, why don't you turn these stones into bread? He said, it is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So he, he was quoting the word of God here. Verse 5. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you. That discipline is instructing you. He was instructing you. You must know that God is going to instruct us. He's going to correct us. That's what that discipline is. Just as a man disciplines his son. Verse 16. Why? Why would the Lord test us? Why would he do that? In order to prepare for passing tests, we need to know why does God test us? It says here, In the wilderness he fed you with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he may humble you, and that he may test you. Why? Why? To do Good for you in the end. When you know that, it helps you to pass your test. It helps me to go through my situations when I know that God is taking me to some things sometime for my good. See, if I don't know that, then it helps me uh, to get irritated, frustrated, give up. Because I don't know that God is up to something for my good. Isn't that good to know that God is for our good? I hear three people. What does the rest of you believe? <laughs> well, you're going to get tested anyway. <laughs> and you really, you, you really think that he's for your harm? Come on, God Almighty. No, he's for your good. He doesn't even take pleasure in the death of the wicked. So why in the world would he want to harm his children? You wouldn't do that. Let's go to um, James chapter 1. God tests us. We know that. In James chapter 1, verse 13... We have another person, another spirit who tests us also. We call that tempting. In Matthew 4, 4, when it's talking about Jesus and, and, and the devil in the wilderness, because Jesus was led in the wilderness by the spirit of God. He says, when the tempter came, see, he fasts 40 days and 40 nights, then he was hungry. Then a tempter came. That's what it said. A tempter came. Let's look, listen to this. Let no, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted. And this tempter is not the testing that you have over in the first chapter, verses 2 on down through verse 8, where it says, consider all joy when you encounter various 
trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, this is not the same testing. This testing over here in, in, chapter, t- in, in chapter 1, verses 2 on down to 8, that, that is dealing with trying to do good for you in the end. It's trying to help you to um, know what's in you so you can go from glory to glory. It's going to strengthen you. It's like, like an uh, athlete is, is made to go into, if they're on scholarship, they are made to go in the weight room so they can build up their strength. When you build up strength, it's always against resistance. You never lift in feathers. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. That's what God does for us. He helps to build us up so that we'll be ready for what he has for us. And that's what Joseph, he was doing with Joseph. But he says here that no one said when he's tempted. That tempted is, to, is actually for you to fall for you to sin, I am being tempted by God. Let no one say that. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So you have to know the difference. He's not going to tempt us to sin. He's not going to do that. Satan will do that. And also, we will cause it on ourselves because in verse 14 it says, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And when lust has uh, conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. In other words, we need to be prepared when the tests come because sometimes you don't know, you don't know who the test is of. Sometimes I don't know who the test is it. I don't know what, all I know is I'm going through some hard times. So, my goodness gracious. So, I have to pray. God, why is this happening? So, I start a checklist. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If if a word picture will be, if if something, uh, let's say that uh, most most everybody, I think, know this, that if you go out and one time and start your car and and, and you, you turn the switch on, you turn that little niche on, and it said click. Click. You say, oh, my, something is wrong. Everybody knows that, right? Something is wrong. Now, uh, most mechanics know that it could be a multitude of things, because sometimes I call, I say, hey, my car said click, click when I turn on. What's wrong? He said, I don't know what's wrong. It could be a many things. It could be your starter. It could be your battery. It could be the connections on your battery. I don't know. Let's go through this checklist. Blow your horn and see will it blow. Hit it. Now hit it. Bump. Okay. We know it's not the battery. Hmm. Okay. What is it then? Might be the ignition. See? So you go through a checklist. When, 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 when I go through trials, when I go through situations, when things happen, I, I go through a checklist. Okay, God. What's, 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 what's happening here? I check out. Okay, now. Uh, is it is some sin somewhere? Is sin in my life somewhere? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Because you know, if, if it's sin in your life, you know that that's, that's not a good thing, is it? Is it? It's not a good thing. So what you have to do is say, okay, oh, oh, sin's in my life. I better get this thing straight right now. I'm gonna repent, right? I'm gonna repent. I'm a, because it says in the word that 
If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Is that correct? Then I'm right back in right standing with him. So I go through this checklist. So you have to, you have to know uh, who is from when you go, go into these trials. Now, preparing. Preparing. Let me give you another visual. Uh, when you're preparing to pass your test, it's like an athlete being prepared for a match or a game. And I wanted to use an um, analogy of a wrestler. On a wrestling team at Glass, when the coach there, we had a, a wrestling coach, uh, Coach Stanbell, he, he was a very good wrestling coach. And, and plus I taught wrestling to my gym class. So, and I had students that I uh, would go watch wrestle. And so you have to know how to cheer for them. You have to know what to say. Uh, so I, I was, I was sometimes asked the coach, so the coach would teach me, so I'll be teaching the fellows right in my gym class because I have some wrestlers in my gym class. I don't want to be sounding ignorant, you know. Uh, and, and, they, and, and they know that I don't know anything, so I talked to the wrestling coach. So he said, okay, this is what you need to do. You got to prepare each player, each, each, each member of your class, you got to prepare them for this match. And you have to prepare them for a multitude of things. You don't, they're not going to know what's going to come up, but they have to know how to react. They have to also know how to cause a reaction from the other person that will, will put that other person in a bad position so that you can take advantage of it. So he said, first of all, you have to protect your legs. So I said, okay, okay, protect your legs. So I said, protect my legs. No, don't protect them like that. Okay, you got you to get in a stance. So he taught me all those type of things. Then he said, okay, now, you on offense, you teach them to shoot. Now, to shoot uh, for all your hunters is not with a gun. To shoot is to, uh, to, to go after the legs of the other person. Now, but you also have to teach the other person the defense also. If anybody ever shoots at your legs, you sprawl out. Those are the terms we use, sprawl out. So sprawl out means that you, uh, when he shoots for your legs, I was going to demonstrate on Sam, but I said I might get, <laughs> I might get smothered. <laughs> you know? so I said, can't do that. Can't do that. I said, maybe I'll pick a little child, you know. But then, then you won't like me because I'll smother him. See? Uh, so, so I said, well, okay, let me just talk about it. Uh, so you teach them that. And so you learn all these terms. And how many of you know when you go to a wrestling match, they, they, they are, they're, they're just... Then, and then all of a sudden, one shoot, then another one sprawl out. Then when, you, when, when the person sprawl out, you can't just stay sprawled out. You got to work around the back. You got to try to get behind the person, and you try to break the person down. There's a term. You try to break them down, and when you break them down to your knees, you try to get them on their back, and you tell the person, don't ever get on your back, because you get pinned on your back. Uh, if, you, if, if you ever get on your back, get over on your side. Get over your side, get on your stomach. Get on your stomach, get on your knees. From your knees, you try to, try to reverse them. So all these are things. So when you go to a wrestling match, and when y'all go to a wrestling match now, uh, we, we, we have, a, we have a, a, a wrestling coach, a liberal head wrestling coaches in the congregation. 
Uh, but he's not here today. He was, his whole family was sick after last Sunday. Um, they got sick on Tuesday. And all of them, he, he said he missed the first match. Um, he's missed in 23 years, so y'all can be praying for the family. Uh, but um, anyway, what happened when you go to the wrestling match, you'd be hollering out, shoot, shoot, sprawl out, sprawl out, reverse, reverse. You know, you, 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 those are terms that you holler out. But now, how many know that you just can't teach a player, a wrestler, one thing, sprawl out. That's all you have to know, sprawl out. See, because... <laughs> Uh, that's going to be, he's going to get killed out there. You see? You have to teach him some everything because you don't know what's going to come up. You don't know what's going to come up. It's the same thing in preparing to pass your test. You don't know what the enemy is going to throw at you. He might come at your finances. He might come at your health. He might come at your children. He might come at your marriage. He might come at your job. He might come, he comes a lot of different places. We don't know how he's going to come, but we have to have, we have to be prepared. Is that correct? To counteract anything he does. But we also need to be on the offensive also. Is that correct? Okay. Now, we um, never had a word last Sunday, and she told it to me uh, later, I think Monday, and I told her, we'll hold that to the day, and I want to, uh, her to share that with you, and we're going to go from there and prepare. The necessary things. It's, it's extremely important to make sure we are doing what's, what's most important in our lives as children of God. We must not neglect prayer and covering ourselves with the word of God, with God's word every single day. Paul continuously warns the church to be vigilant, to stay alert, to be prepared at all times. Paul said that we live in an evil day. He admonished us to, in Ephesians 5.16 to redeem the time, for the days are evil. He spoke these words 2,000 years ago. The evil has increased, therefore we must increase so that we can stand in this evil day that we live in. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is all-powerful and all-knowing. He is the Word of God. The Word is spirit, and it is life. This is why it's important that we speak the Word of God over over ourselves every day. The Word is powerful. God gave us his Holy Spirit who lives within us, He is our helper and our guide. It's important that we pray and acknowledge him. Paul said to put on the whole armor of God. Putting on the whole armor of God means being strong in the Lord and the power of his might so that the life of Jesus Christ will be manifested in us through our thoughts, our words, and our actions. We don't know what a day holds, but God does. So we by faith... As we by faith obey his word, keep it in our mouths, and let it dwell in our hearts richly, we know by faith that God is with us, and we can stand when the evil one tries to come against us. Us, We can stand in faith knowing that God is in control no matter how things look.
Now, preparation. Let's go to the spiritual realm, and that's what, uh, whenever the word was today, uh, basically was prepare yourself spiritually. How do you prepare yourself spiritually? Uh, she said, put on the whole armor of God. Okay, well, when, when we're preparing ourselves, the first thing we have to know is, what, what are we preparing? Because we're switching over from the natural to the spiritual. Uh, so we don't have to worry about going to the weight room or learning wrestling moves, anything like that. What we have to do is learn, where is the battle going to take place? Is it going to take place with my legs? Is it going to take place with my arms? Is it gonna, no, it's not going to be a physical thing at all. So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Let's look there and see where the battle is because in order to have victory, we must prepare to pass that test knowing where the test is going to take place at. So in Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 20, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. 21. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. This is a hard thing now. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart. And that heart is your mind, your will, your intellect. Watch over all that deals with the, the, the mind, all that happens there. Your, you, you know, your, your passions come from your, 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 your mind, too, how you think about things, your desires. You have to watch over your heart with all diligence, not just some diligence, with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. We have to know that the battle is in the mind. It's in the mind. Satan is after your mind. If he can get you to think wrong theologically, you're going to be in error. If he can get you to think wrong about your parents' teens, you'll be in error. If he starts getting you to think wrong about your uh, marital mate, it's going to get you in trouble. If you start thinking wrong about him, it'll get you to, we have to learn how to think. And it says, that's why it says that give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart because the heart is the battleground. That's the battleground. That's where we're going to start preparing to pass our tests in our minds. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, Monero mentioned uh, one place there, which is uh, putting on the whole arm of God, uh, Ephesians 6. Starting in verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might or the power of his might, some versions may say. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his strength. How am I going to do that? I know I'm supposed to be strong. I know we're out of the physical, so it's not there. Where will be strong at? In your Mind, in your will, your intellect, your emotion, be strong there. How am I going to do it? By putting on the whole arm of God. Not some of it, but all of it. There are a lot of parts of this 
word from Genesis to Revelation, you got to put it on. You put it on just like or putting on is like you're putting on a coat, like you're putting on any garment. If you're going to go outside and it's 28 degrees, you're going to put on a jacket. You're going to put on something because that's going to protect you. That's what it's saying here, put on. But you're going to put on the whole armor of God. Of course, you know the visual uh, word picture is like a Roman soldier or a soldier that got on all this equipment here, which means that that's what soldiers wear. But everything based, is based on truth, everything. But we need to put it on so that you may be able to stand firm. I mean stand firm against the schemes, against the wiles, against the stratagem, against the methodology of the devil. That's what it says here. See, we have to know our enemy. We know that if God tests us, it's a good thing. But if the devil tests us, it's not a good thing. We don't want to fall. So in order to, in order to not fall, we need to stand. In order to stand, we've got to have on the whole armor. And, have that, and if we're going to have on the whole armor, then what are we going to do? Then it tells us that we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the uh, world forces and darkness, and against the spiritual forces and wick- of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. So when those tests come, you'll be able to resist. Just like uh, uh, the... The uh, Joseph, when he got tested for his attitude, that was the first test we went over. When he was tested for his attitude, he passed the test because he was ready. He was ready. Resist, resist, resist. He passed the second test of work ethics because he was ready. He passed the third test of more integrity because he was ready. He was able to resist in that evil day because of what his mind was girded with. Our mind has to be girded with the truth. Oh, it has to be girded. It says, and having done everything, not some things, but everything, to stand firm, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having your lawns girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all above all, taking a shield of faith, which is able to extinguish, extinguish all the fire, fire dots of the evil one. Taking the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watch that to all prayer and supplication for all the saints. That's what God's asking us to do. Be, to be ready. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. How do, I, how do I do that, though? How do I put on this whole armor? Because it's not really, 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 really armor. What is it? It's the word. How did I put on the truth? I can't put on the truth like a garment because it's not a garment. How did I put it on? Well, you can go to the word and you can be like Jesus. Learn the word of God in every area. Not just some areas, every area. You're supposed to be studying the word of God about finances. That's why um, topical study is good as well as the uh, verse by verse is good. All of, both of them have, have their... Um, good points and both have our weaknesses. Now, if you study about finances and learn the financial scriptures when Satan starts coming at your finances, you can now speak what God says. Right? Oh, you're going to go hungry. 
You're going to go hungry now. You, you, don't, you don't lost your job. You're going hungry. Oh, oh boy. It's going to be a sad thing when you, when you wither away to nothing. In 40 days, Jesus lasts for four days, four nights. Moses lasts four days, four nights. You're going to die after three days. Right? He tells that. But what does the word say? I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen a righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Come on. It's the word of God. You come at your health. You know? Oh, you're going to die. Oh, you're going to die. You know? Mosquito bit you, you're going to die. You know, <laughs> you're going to die. You know? Malaria. We don't have no malaria in Lynchburg. You're the, you're the first one. First one. <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> oh, he'll tell you. Oh, but what does the word say? He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chest out of our peace for with his stripes. We're healed, right? All right. Hey. Word. 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 You got to know the word on every area of your life. Children. You got to know the word about your children. You got to know the word about your marriage. You got to know the word. So you confess that word just like the, the wrestling coach uh, was teaching me how to prepare people and how he prepares people. You need to be prepared because you don't know when the enemy is going to come at this area, that area. So you have to learn all these areas and have, have a scripture for every area. So when, like Jesus, when he comes and says, turn these, these, you know, the bread, these the stones in the bread. You say, oh, no, 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 it's written. That's why he's going to come with, yeah, but why don't you, you know, uh, jump off this thing, you know, because his angels uh, uh, bag you up, you know, the scripture does say that. Yeah, but the scripture also written, don't tempt the Lord our God. So you got to know the scripture. you got to know the context of the scripture. All right? That's what we mean by putting on the whole arm of God. Start, you know what confession is? Agreeing with God in, in the scripture context. When you confess the word of God, you are agreeing with God. You see, people don't like to do that. They don't like to you like to confess. So, well, I want to confess. What I'm, uh, somebody asks you, so what you doing? I'm confessing the scripture. You know, I got a little booklet to confess the scripture. Well, uh, hmm, why are you confessing? You know? Why don't you just read? I do read. Reading does one thing, confessing doing another. You see? So you have, to, you, have to, you have to put on, we got to use all our weapons, right? The weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty through God to put down strongholds. We got to use all our weapons, don't we? Confession is a weapon. That's one of the seven priorities. Number six. Okay? Now, we're ready now to say, okay, I got it. I got it. I know we're going to be tested. I know God's going to test us. I know the enemy, uh, Satan, he's going to tempt us to fall, uh, to sin. I know the battle is in my mind. It's my heart, which is my mind, will, intellect, my emotion, all that is in there. So I know I'm, I have to confess this word. I have to get this word in me. I know that. So we don't have time to be messing around a lot of time, do we? Right? Because we don't have, don't have a 24 hours in a day. You've got to sleep part, part of it, right? right? You've got to work part of it, in school part of it. So sometimes you've got to set aside. You're going to have to make time to set aside to prepare. You don't have an athlete, football, basketball, tennis, wrestler, you don't have an athlete that never practices. It's any good. Right? You have something to say to an athlete. 
and is it right? You know, or want to be? You know, <laughs> you got to practice. They got to go to practice. Well, when are we gonna go to practice, young people? When are we gonna go to practice? You got to get off the computer. You got to to go to practice to get prepared to pass your test. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, we got to do that. Okay, now let's go to Joseph. Let's go to Genesis. That's our um, base text scripture. We said that the first test we went over was a test of attitude. Second test was a test of work ethic. Second, third test was a test of more integrity. Fourth test we went over last week was a uh, test of humility. Now, with that test of humility, which was uh, we ended in, in verse 22 uh, last week, and we were going verse by verse here uh, through uh, 37, 39, 40. We're going by that. And it's an interesting story, but it's also learning information. And we said that we are only doing this for our good, isn't it? For our good. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge. Now, we know that what led up to that, which last week we said that in that test of integrity, more integrity, Joseph would not uh, lay with Potiphar's wife. She kept nagging him, kept on him, kept on him from day after day. He still wouldn't do it. Then she caught him by, her, by himself one time in the house, and she grabbed him, and he uh, uh, got out of his coat and ran. Okay? Uh, she told a lie on him and told him that that uh, uh, that that he had tried to molest her, and so uh, her husband, who's just Potiphar, who was the uh, chief executioner, he was uh, Pharaoh's bodyguard, head of the bodyguard, and he put him in jail. Now, the chief jailer here, that's where we pick it up on verse 23, the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. So here we again, even though he was tested with humility, he went from the top person in Potiphar's house, nothing uh, uh, Potiphar was concerned about except what he ate, to in jail. He was humiliated. But we see here that God was with him. He's now over everything in the jail. (laughs) Chapter 40, verse 1. Then it came about after these things that the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief, cupbearer, and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard. Who was the captain of the bodyguard? 
Potiphar in the jail, the same place where Joseph was in prison. Now, some say that Potiphar uh, was not really angry that much at Joseph, but the scripture didn't say that. The scripture said he was angry. Okay? Uh, so we know that if the scripture said he was angry, he was angry. Right? Okay. So he's in jail. And the captain, verse 4, the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them. The captain of the bodyguard? Now, you picture this now. You picture this. Here's the captain of the bodyguard. He's mad with Joseph because he thinks that he tried to molest his wife. He puts him in jail. Then he comes to the jail and says, Joseph, I know that you're a man that everything you touch, you know everything goes well with it. So I want you to take care of, of the king's servants here. There's a chief cupbearer and a chief baker. I want you to take care of them. Now, if you're like me, uh, probably you would have an attitude. Probably. If you're like me, probably you would start thinking things. You wouldn't say anything because you don't want to say anything because that's dangerous over your mouth uh, with, with the uh, chief uh, executioner, the bodyguard, the king's bodyguard, so you, you wouldn't do that. But you'll say, now how dare him? He put me in jail. I mean, I didn't do a thing. You know what I should have done? I, sh I should have laid with him. Then, then he'll have something to, to do, you know? People think like that. Did you know that? Yeah, you know? You wait till I get a chance. You wait till I get a chance. If I ever get a chance, I'll never do anything for Potiphar again. I hope, I hope, I hope, matter of fact, I hope all his crops wither and he goes into poverty because he put me in this jail. Now, if you were like me, probably you would think that way. I'm glad y'all are not like me. I'm glad all y'all are saved, uh, <laughs> and I am too. You know, I'm, I'm glad all of you are, are, are so nice. You're like Joseph, because Joseph is evidently Joseph didn't have, a, 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 didn't have any business. That's evident. He didn't have any business. But that was a test, number five, of bitterness. When things go wrong, you are humiliated. What goes along with that is bitterness. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because you can get irritated, frustrated because somebody did you wrong, and you get bitter because of it. And bitterness causes relationships to go bad. They start, you start getting cruel to the person who you're bitter towards, harsh towards the person you're bitter towards. Some people are bitter towards their parents uh, because of whatever a situation happened, and, and they, they are holding this thing against their parents. Some siblings are holding things against each other. Some employees are holding things against employers. Employers hold things against their employees, and, but usually it doesn't last too long because the employer gets rid of them. You know? 
Really? They do. You know that, don't you? It goes along, hand in hand. So every time there is a test of humility, and I said that's the greatest, it's the most reoccurring test that you're going to have, is a test of humility. Then comes with that is the same thing. Bitterness then is going to be a test for you. Every time you get tested for humility, you're going to get tested for bitterness. Are you going to get bitter about this situation? What are you going to do? And when you get bitterness, what you do is start getting, wanting to get revenge. And sometimes we try to get revenge the, the nice Christian way. We just don't speak to them. You know? We just don't speak to them. We don't do anything for them. Yeah. Yeah. Really, I'm serious. You can know anytime somebody bit with you, Elder Sam, anything, any, what will happen is that um, you say, I, uh, I need a volunteer for the sound book. Is I'm over the sound, and they're not going to do it because they're built toward you. Uh, I have arthritis in my fingers. I can't do it. <laughs> you know, you know they, they, people will find a way. Come on. Eye for an eye, two for two. That's what they call business. Revenge, isn't it? Well, Jesus outlawed that, didn't he? Isn't it? You've heard it's been said. An eye for an eye, two for two. But I tell you, love your enemies. <laughs> he said, no, no, business goes out the window. Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Let's go there. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you now because God's trying to help me. All of us can be bitter about a situation. Come on. <laughs> Especially in, 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 come on, in marriages, can't you be bitter? Because you're not treated like you, like you want to be treated, like you're supposed to be treated, like the words say you're supposed to be treated. You're not treated that way, so you get bitter. So you won't do for me, I won't do for you. Come on. Eye for an eye. Two for two. Yeah. In, in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 16. It says, be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty mind in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. We already went over that. That's humility. Verse 17, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. I don't care what they did to you. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far it is, depending on you, be at peace with all men. Never take up your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap blessings of coals on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I believe Joseph did that. I believe that Joseph was not overcome by the evil that his brothers did to him in selling him to the Ishmaelites. And now he's in bondage. I don't think he was bitter because it didn't affect his attitude. He still was 
did well with Potiphar. I don't believe he was bitter towards Potiphar because he still took care of the cupbearer, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, even though Potiphar was the one that put him in jail. We're not going to be overcome by evil. We're not going to be overcome by evil. In this body, we won't overcome evil with good. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Let's look there. It says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. God gives grace. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. A root. If you're going to kill a plant, you need to, you need to, you need to, Kill the root. You need to pull it up totally, get the roots out. A root of bitterness will spring up, and it's going to bear fruit. And that fruit will defile many people, many people. It's a bad thing, a sad thing to be around a bitter person because they are, they are harsh, they are cynical. They say sharp things. Sometimes you can tell, what is, you know, what is wrong with this person, you know? What's, what's wrong with this person? You know, uh, they, they, they seem like they're always irritated, frustrated yeah, about something. Somewhere, there's something in the background need to be dealt with. Let's go back to our base scripture. So number one was attitude. Two, work ethic. Three, um, more integrity, four humility, five was a test of what? Bitterness. Okay, let's hit the last one, six. Now let, let's start here. Seeking a, uh, let's start at five because we want to go verse by verse, like I told you. Start in verse five of forty, chapter forty, verse five. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night, each man his own dream and each dream his own interpretation when Joseph came uh, to them in the morning to observe them. So Joseph was looking at them, looked at them, he, he, he observed they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? Then they said to him, we have had a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Oh, come on. That is humility, isn't it? Does not interpretation belong to God? Then he said, tell me the dream, please. So the cupbearer, the chief cupbearer, told the dream to Joseph. And said to him, in my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. And the vine, and the vine, it was three branches. And, and then 
it was budding. Its blossoms came out, and, and its cluster produced ripe grapes. Now, Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and I squeezed them and, and into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. In a dream. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cup bearer. Only keep me in mind when you go, uh, when, when it goes well for you. And please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that they should have put me into this dungeon. So even though he's still doing well, God still blessed him, he doesn't want to be there. How many of you want to stay in jail? Verse 16. When the chief baker saw that he had an interpretation favorably, he said to Joseph, hey, I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. That was one problem. You got white bread. You should have had mother grain, you see. So, <laughs> you give me your master, boy, white bread, boy, you know, and all the nutrients gone, boy. You see? And it says here that uh, and in the top basket, there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. And the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh off you. Wow. That was a bad one, isn't it? That was a bad one. Verse 20. Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the uh, chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office and put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had it interpreted to them. Verse 23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Forgot him. The test, number, test number six, is a test of endurance. The test of endurance. In other words, it's a, it's a test to see whether you can sustain your situation. Sustain. Be, be, can you stay up under it? Verse 1 of chapter 41 says, Now it happened... At the end of two full years. Oh, my goodness gracious. How long, God, are you going to delay getting me out of this prison? God, how long is it going to be before my dreams come to pass? These dreams came to pass in three days, Lord. I had a dream back there with my father and brothers. I had a dream. God, come on, God. I'm 30 years old. I was 17 when I came here. God, how long, oh Lord? Have y'all said anything like that? How long, oh Lord, am I going to have to go through this thing? 
a test of endurance. Let's turn there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 this time. We'll close it out there. You know, it's, oh my goodness. You said, wow. Verse 7 says, it is for discipline that you endure. 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 The test of endurance. The test of endurance. That Greek word, therefore, endure, is hupomino. Hupomono. H-U-P-O. Hupo. Always mean under. Always mean under. Mono. Moni. M-O-N-E, with an accent on E, it says that's to remain, to remain. So if you put the two together, it's to remain what? Under. Meaning to persevere, meaning to endure, meaning to uh, suffer adversities or persecutions in faith. That's what it means, in faith. Can we persevere, can we Money, can we remain under our situation until God delivers us? God deals with you as with sons, for what son is there whom, he, whom the father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we have had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father's spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time as it seemed best for them. But he disciplined us, meaning God, disciplined us for our own good, so that we may be sharers of his holiness. We may share his holiness. That's what, he's, that's what he's after with Joseph. That's what he's after with us. All discipline for a moment seems not to be joyous or joyful, but sorrowful. Joseph was in prison, and he said, how long, oh God? I know we have said that sometime. How long, oh God, am I going to have to do this? How long am I going to be in this financial situation? How long, God, can we endure? Can we suffer? These adversities in faith, not in doubt, but in faith. Can we do that? He said, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Make straight the path for your feet so that, uh, that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. In other words, come on, get your countenance right. Stop having a pity party, Joseph. Everything's going to be all right. God hasn't forgotten you. He's been blessing you when you were a slave with Potiphar. He's blessing you in the jail. He's giving you the interpretation. You didn't know the interpretation. You said it for yourself. God knows the interpretation, so therefore I'm giving you the interpretation. I have a plan. Are you going to know that my delays are not my denials. The delays of God are not his denials. 
is just trying to move us to a position of strength. He's trying to prepare us for the victory. That's what he's trying to do. He wants us to be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That's what he wants. But we have to go through some things because, see, Joseph, there's no way in the world that 17-year-old teenager is going to be the ruler under Pharaoh of all of Egypt and know how to handle uh, business affairs and do all the things he had to do uh, with, with, with uh, Egypt and all the world because the whole world was under that famine, the known word at that time, under the famine, and they had to come to Egypt, and he had to deal with them. He had to deal with people uh, that, that well, what you talking about? I got to pay for I done paid everything for my, 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 my uh, 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 grain. I don't have anything else but my house. Give me your house then. He has, a, he has to be a shrewd businessman. Yeah. God had to prepare him. He has to prepare you. He has to prepare me for what he has for me. Fortunately, Joseph knew from the dream that generally he was going to somehow be in a position where his father, mother, and brothers are going to bow down to him. But it doesn't look promising. <laughs> Thirteen years, nobody's bowed down yet. <laughs> he hasn't seen them. Thirteen years. Doesn't look promising, does it? Sometimes it doesn't look promising for us either. God hasn't forgotten them. He's preparing one day with the Lord, like a thousand years, a thousand like a one day. But when God lifts you up, brother, sister, and you ready, it doesn't matter. You're ready. It's like Joshua and Caleb. You know, they say, hey, man, these people, they gave an evil report. We're the only ones that gave the good report. We have to go around this with a 40 years until they die. I'm going to be 80. How old are you going to be, Caleb? Do the math, 80. Okay. We're both going to be 80. What are we going to be able to do when we're 80 years old, man? These people won't follow God. God, when when he does something, he does it right. He knows how to, how to preserve you. <laughs> so that's why Caleb, even when Joshua took him over, Caleb said, hey, you know that mountain that I, 40 years ago that I went out and spied out? That's the mountain I want. Hey, the, the, the giants are there. Caleb, you 80 years old, man. Hey, give me the mountain. Give me the mountain. He was just as strong at 80 as he was at 40. God knows how to do it. Come on, you know the story when he lifted Joseph up. When he finally got him out of there, yes, 13 years has transpired. Oh, come on. Come on. God will cause you to forget all that stuff. Didn't he? Yeah, he caused all that stuff to be forgotten. Just like a a woman, you know, they tell me, in a way, (laughs) when they're burying a child, (laughs) there's a lot of pain. Can't imagine the pain. It is deliver a child, but, you know, after the child gets there, a couple of weeks, you know, they, they forgot about all that stuff, man. They got that, that sweet little uh, thing there. They, they, they forgot about, all about that thing. 
all that pain. Isn't it? And we, we'll, we'll see that as we go along. God is good. He is good. So I, I just, I'm excited about, you know, God just showing me different things here because it's strengthening me uh, in the things that, that I have to go through and that I'm going through. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I'm not going to try to just get out of the pan because if I jump out of the pan, even though it's hot in this pan, I'm going to jump right into the fire. And it's hotter in the fire. I'm going to stay in this pan. I know, I know you're up to something. Even though I'm frying, you, it's, you're up to something, Lord. You're up to something. You're up to something. As long as I got a little grease in it, boy, I'm going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. You're going to be all right. That's what we have to look forward to. So please, 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 saints, don't try to get out of your situation uh, before God gets you out. Right? I mean, you can ask. I mean, Jesus asked, hey, if this cup is going to be taken from me, take it from me, Lord. Yeah. Come on. Didn't it? Paul asked, hey, uh, man, let's take this thing away from him. He asked how many times? Three times. Ask three times. After you ask three times, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Moses asked, Moses wanted to go to the promised land. God said, you're not going to the promised land. You're not going. You're not going to the promised land. Moses knew that, but he asked God again, hey, I want to see this thing, man. Come on, God, let me go. Hey, don't mention it again. Cut it off. No more. Don't mention it. Moses didn't mention it again. Right? God has a plan. He loved Moses. He said Moses was faithful in all his house. Right? Who was there on uh, the Mount Transfiguration? Peter, who else? Peter, James, John, who else? Moses, come on. God loves you. He has a plan for you. Stop trying to get out of your situation. Don't say to me, I can't wait to get out of my out of house, boy. My parents, they're always on my case. I'm going to get out. As soon as I get out, I'm going to go join the military. You know? That's crazy. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. How do sergeants treat, treat, treat people? Huh? You were a sergeant, weren't you? How do people, they all in your face, aren't they? Sergeants all in your face, aren't they? Huh? For a little while, that's right. They're in your face, you know. Don't want, you don't want to get in the, on the military just, just to get from your parents. Don't, don't be that way. You know? So we want our way so bad that we'll, and God gives us a will, right? And so we'll take this excursion. We see the flag, but we say, uh-uh, no, 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 no. We know what the word said, but we're going we're gonna to try to get our way anyway. And knowing that, don't you know that God sometimes will give you your way? Cause, because sometimes it doesn't interfere with what he wants anyway, because he's going to bring that about. His thelema that I told you about last week. But he'll let you have your way to your detriment. Believe it. Believe it. You, you need to be saying, I don't want my way, Lord. I'm going to quit asking for stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be satisfied in my situation right now. I'm going to be satisfied with this thing because you're going to bring him out if I'm not supposed to be here in this situation. That's what you're supposed to do. And you say, oh, no, no, no. God, God's not going to do that. He's not going to give you something just because you keep asking. Okay, believe that now. If you better read your Bible, 
you know, because he, he does do that. He does give you some things. You keep asking, keep asking. The children of Israel, they kept asking, hey, man, we want some, all this meat, and we had the garlics, the leeks in, in, in Egypt, man. Well, we want some, we want some besides this manna. Okay, I'm going to give you some. I'm going to give you all these quests. I'm going to give you all this. this. And as soon as the birds came down, as soon as they started killing, as soon as they started eating them, the plague came while they were chewing it in their mouth. <laughs> you don't want your way. You don't want your way. All right? You want God's way. Let's stand. Praise God. Praise God. Joseph, we are being prepared. We are being prepared because God has a plan. We're being prepared for that plan. Yes, indeed. If anyone here today, and you say, well, I'm not being prepared because I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not born again. If you're not born again today, today is a day of salvation. And so I'd like to just close with you, praying for you. Just raise your hand, put it back down, say, hey, pray for me. I, I, want, I want you to pray for my salvation, my soul. I'll, I'll see it, and I'll pray for you. Or if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ today, Raise your hand and put it back down. We'll pray for you. Does anybody like that need prayer today? Anybody? Would a prayer team come up, please? Or if today the prayer team is here to pray with you, for you, pray for your loved ones, if you need somebody to stand in for your loved ones. Or today, today you say, you know, I'm not content where I am in the place that God has me right now in my finances and with my children, with my marriage, with this, with that, that, whatever the situation may be. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Raise your hand and put it back down. We'll close with that prayer. Anybody? Okay, I see the hand. Anybody else? Okay, I see the hand. I see the hand. Father, you saw, you've seen the hands, Lord. Father, we pray for the ones that raise their hands, Lord, and, and, and uh, I've raised mine also. Um, I want to sometimes, Lord, uh, everything to go hunker door. Right? I want everything to go my way. I want everything to go uh, like it's planned, and I don't like hardships. I'll be honest with you, I don't like hardships. But I know hardships are part of the plan. I know it's going to yield a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Father, we ask you, for all of us who raise our hands, that you will help us, Lord, to see, to know with a surety that you love us and you have our best interests at stake. You want to do us good in the end. And if there's anything that we're not supposed to be going through, you will bring us out. And if it's things we're supposed to be going through, you'll bring us out also at a pointed time, at a carol's time. That's what we want, Lord. We want your timing. We don't want our timing. We want your timing, Lord. So we're going to wait in faith. We're going to endure in faith, trusting that you are a good God, trusting and knowing that you love us and that you saved our souls. You didn't bring them out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. You didn't bring them uh, 
Abraham out to just to uh, take him, sojourn him all over, the, all over Canaan, to not give it to him and his descendants. You didn't bring us into salvation for us to drown, to us to fail. You have victory for us. And we thank you for that. And everybody in agreement say amen.